This is the Hockey Flow. It's the show that brings you the best on the ice with Adam Boucher and Marco D'Amico, your guides to everything you would want to know. Of course, you can follow Adam Boucher at ReallyAdamB on Twitter and Marco D'Amico at The Hockey Expert. And of course, his website, which is amazing, scrimmagestats.com. Go check it out for all the greatest and latest in the NHL. So let's bring right you guys right in right now because we have a lot to talk about. There was teams that got drastically better, teams that got somewhat better, teams that we don't know where they're going to end up. A uh, lot of improvements, lots of signings, lots of things to think about. So where do we go from here? Uh, I'm going to throw it over to you, Adam. Where are we starting off first? Uh, so we saw, yeah, we saw a couple signings, trades. Uh, they kept on going. Um, I think the first thing maybe we should touch on was uh, maybe teams that improved, teams that got weaker. I know Marco had a couple in mind. Uh, so yeah let's start over here uh i don't know if marco you have one in mind you want to jump and start with um i think a team like if we if we look at free agency or we look at at how the teams improved or didn't improve i think the team that improved the least or has i guess the most to compensate for now at least are the boston bruins if you look at the way that they're going right now um obviously they're still a strong team it's not like like they had serious depth and they lost a big piece on their left side um but they do have the pieces to at least compensate for it short term uh but they're definitely going to need to invest big time on their defense moving forward um if you look at a team maybe like florida florida is a team that i feel inevitably will regress this season i feel like they lost two top six wingers. Um, I mean, we don't know where Hoffman's going yet. It could be that Hoffman resigns in Florida, for all we know. But it doesn't. I feel like that would have already happened at this point. So, my guess is, really, they're they're going to be without two top six forwards. They're probably going to plug those holes uh, with the young kids coming up from either the American Hockey League, like Owen Tippett or potentially uh, coming over from Europe and Denisenko. So we're going to have to see where they're going to go with it. But I feel like this is a club. This is clearly a club that's going to be going backwards instead of forward. And that's really unfortunate for a guy like Barkov. Um, and we heard this year uh, at the beginning of the off season that potentially everybody, but Barkov is available on that team uh, if it improves them. So that's a sign for me that the GM is looking to kind of, reset that roster so those are my two clear i wouldn't say losers but i feel like the teams that improved upon their roster the least uh on the eastern side uh on the west side i mean i i really like the move vancouver made uh with vegas to go and get schmidt for a third round pick i think obviously if you look at the value on paper that's a great trade for vancouver uh, just for the quality of the player. It's the risk in the contract, uh, $5.9 million, I believe, for another three years, including this season. Um, so it's it's a little bit of a risk. That's a huge cap hit to take, but they lost their clear-cut Markstrom number one goalie. To Foley. Exactly, Markstrom. Yeah. They lost to Foley. Like, uh, Chris, they Chris still Tannen. haven't signed Vertanen. Uh, and Vertanen, exactly. Yeah. Vertanen's not signed yet either. Uh, Godet gave them a very nice show-me contract, uh, about a million dollars a year. So, I mean, they got good value, but again, you're, you're, you're like, 
you looked like you had a team that was just requiring experience to go deep into the playoffs, and you follow up that momentum by letting players essentially go to your conference rival in Calgary and not, you know, fundamentally improve on the roster and hoping that it's, again, the kids that improve drastically again to, to put you there. So, I don't know. I felt like, especially with what Toffoli signed in Montreal, I felt like there was an opportunity to retain him. Uh, but, again, uh, Jim Benning uh, is paying for his, uh, I would say, n- Lack of planning and, and Bad contracts. marginal players to pretty serious contracts. Yeah. So it's, I guess it's the price to pay, but it goes to show you the people that are more meticulous with their money are better off. Um, I can't think of an, I, I feel like another, uh, you know, if you look at teams, go ahead. Oh, I, I was about to say, I guess Vancouver, they, you know, they got Holdby and Nets now, they signed him, but I mean, it, I feel like that's kind of a downgrade in terms of goalie. Maybe they si- they they saved a bit on the cap space there by signing Holdby for less than Markstrom would have signed for. Um, especially after the season Markstrom had, I mean, that's a that's a downgrade in my opinion. Um, and yeah, I mean, they still have Vertanen, which is one of their young core players who hasn't signed. We just don't know where they're going with him anymore they have just over a million in cap space so yeah those are my clear cut um not losers but the team that got worst off i feel in the west i just want to cut in here for a second and uh, and address actually those sort of winners and losers argument because we had a little bit of a spirited discussion off air and it was actually really illuminating because i think all of us we all know uh and we kind of hate sensationalist media and we don't want to fall into that and especially with the internet Winners and losers is often just an easy clickbait title to get people to get you and engage. But the reality is, is that these things take a place over like a five, 10 year timeline. And you can only see it in the, in when it's brightly in the rear of your mirror, when 2020 vision is perfectly viewable, right? So it's kind of, that's why we're trying to avoiding saying winners and losers. That's it, because we just don't want to see it. That being said, I think the, uh, the Yotes are losers this year. That's just all I'm going to say. I mean, I don't think free agency has anything to do with that, but. Um, there is, um, I feel like there is another team that we need to think of that I feel missed the opportunity to improve and that's Nashville. I feel like they lost a lot of fluff on their roster. They got rid of Benino. They, they bought out tourists. Um, they had that cap space sitting there and they mostly just signed like marginal guys. Um, that's a team that I can potentially see like a, Hoffman going to because they are they also lost Granlund who is for sure not coming back at this point so uh, but he still hasn't exactly. signed so so yeah we'll have to see um, if I can add to that I mean one team I feel didn't do much as well on on the east side is Buffalo they so they got Hall right for eight million they got him on a one year deal. They have over 13 million in cap space and they had this crazy like UFA goalie market, right? And they they didn't do anything. They have at the moment they have an RFA goalie and they have one signed for one more year. So it it would have been the perfect opportunity for them to get their guy in nets, right? And they didn't they didn't spend anything on goalies for drink free agency. Who cares? Jack Eichel and Taylor Hall. Yeah, and but, potentially Reinhardt on the same line. 
yeah, is what a lot so, of Buffalo fans will say. It's what a lot. Of, I'm not. I'm not agreeing. I mean, I'm just. Yeah. It's fair. I mean, man. I think we all are looking forward to those gifs as we talked about before in previous episodes. That it's going to be. Wow, it's, it's going to be I quite mean, the quite the line if so that is the case. You also have to factor in they have to re-sign Olofsson and Reinhardt, and again, I feel like they could have moved out some guys, right? Like I feel like they missed the boat on being able to potentially clear a bad salary, but at this, you know, it's 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 finicky because that's a team I feel like Brayden Holtby would have thrived in. Is, is Buffalo. So it's a little disappointing because this was a pretty good market for goalies. You know, not necessarily the top end, but definitely like average to, to, to slightly below average that for at least a number one, like there was four or five options and they didn't get one. And not, like they had... Uh, you know, two or three goalie prospects not two years ago that they were pushing as potential NHL goalies and none of them looked to have a really strong season last year. So you, where is this confidence coming from in net, especially when they passed over Askarov at the draft two weeks ago to, to go in and, and, and select Jack Quinn? Like, they had the opportunity to just secure that position and they didn't they didn't free agency so the idea is either all mark is going to take them however far they're going to take them or they really believe their goalie prospects are going to push through i i honestly was floored that they threw eight million at hall and didn't try to get any of the goalies i feel like that would be the most immediate difference on that team and like, at, so, at what point can Hall make a difference, right? Like, you signed Taylor Hall for I'm, 8 million. He, at what he point can, can he, he... He could. He we, saw, we saw him do it with the Devils, right? Bring yeah, the but team even to the playoffs, with Arizona, but, like, he was, he was good. It's just the rest of the team didn't follow. You know, I, I, it's unfortunate because okay, he yeah. keeps playing on these tweener teams. Uh, and he does it I mean, himself. when was the last time the, the Sabres made the playoffs? Uh, 2010. Wow. I don't know if that's right, but yeah. that definitely sounds right. That's Maybe 20, 2010, 2011, but like, I, I think it, that's crazy. it definitely more than eight. Yeah. And it's it's been a while. They've just been bounced around. And even then, in, I th- it was 2011 because they were bounced out of the first round by the Flyers. And so, like, it, yeah, like it's... It'll be like it's sweet to watch, but it's just like, well, who's the other person they signed on on the wings? Yeah, it's 2010, 2011. Yeah, it is. It's nine years, and it's currently the longest drought, actually, not like of all time, just right now. And the second longest drought, a, a team I never thought I'd ever see there, is the Detroit Red Wings at four years. Well, they were winners, we could say. Can we move to them? I mean. Let's yeah. do it. Let's talk about yeah, Mr. Stevie Wise uh, team. Uh, definitely adding up some nice things, including the first one, which was signing winger Bobby Ryan. So, uh, yay. Uh, former Ottawa Sens, one-year deal worth just over a million bucks. Not bad. Not bad. 13-year veteran. You know, lots of games, lots of stuff there. Yeah, I mean, I, th- I, thought, he was, I thought he was good. Um, it adds character value to the team, I find, though. You're adding... This is the kind of move that a lot of teams that are rebuilding will look to do. They'll look to they'll zone in on the veteran. 
that can properly insulate their team. And I don't think there's a better story in the NHL right now in terms of redemption than that of Bobby Ryan. So if anyone's going to listen to somebody in the room uh, as a young player, you're definitely going to look at that guy and be like, oh, boy, like he went through all kinds of things. And here he is still able to find a job in the NHL and and hold his own and, 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 you know, make his naysayers look bad. So that, you know, to me, that's a value signing. I but also like that's just still, just the reality that they they had the worst goals for last year. Yeah, well, right. I mean, they had the worst season. We can talk about leadership in the room, years. but I mean, at the end of the day, you need to score. Yeah, God damn. I mean, I mean to have... be honest, I hate the Wings and I hate Wings fans. Screw really? you guys. Uh, oh, yeah, oh, uh, just God, on principle. Okay. <laughs> uh, yeah, I know we're gonna get a lot of hate. It's okay. I'm not on Twitter, so it's all right. You don't exist. Yay! Just like your team's legacy. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, anyway, uh, I should be talking as a Habs fan. I'm just going to get so much hate. Or you guys are going to get vicarious hate, so enjoy. Uh, in any case, <laughs> let's uh, not start too many wars, shall we? <laughs> Keep going. I feel so, like yeah, Detroit yeah. would benefit. I don't know what else to say now. <laughs> no, I said they were winners. Yeah, I, mean, I did open up by saying they were winners. I'm not yeah, I, know. I mean, I, they were winners because of... More than Bobby Ryan, and I feel like well, that's yeah. the best part about this is that we can talk about Thomas Grice and what that brings to their team. I thought that was a smart signing. I feel yeah. like it's no risk, and if anything, he's going to bring much more than Jimmy Howard did in that position. And I don't even think Jimmy Howard signed as at the moment. You know, like maybe even he's not exactly. signed. So like. I, I feel like this was a smart move. I think this is a value signing for them. And How long was anything, that contract again? Uh, two years, if I'm not mistaken. Two years, 3.6. Two or three years? I, yeah. There you go. I thought it was two years. So. Was Thank two you, years. Adams. Yeah. yeah. It's just... And... Ultimately, I feel yeah. like he did the smart thing. Because mm-hmm. even if mm-hmm. somehow Detroit surprises next year, or, you know, the season that's upcoming, and doesn't play like the worst team in the last 30 years... And then there's a, there's a solid chance that the team continues to improve into next year where Cider's, you know, more refined. Zadina will probably be like 22, 21, 21. No, 22. Uh, by that point, you know, you Dylan Larkin will be really much in his prime. Anthony Manta, we're still waiting on that contract, but if he's still around, he's going to be in his prime. So this is a team that could challenge to make the playoffs by next year. And, and having a guy like Rice around might be really smart for them. I mean, also you have Vladislav Nemitsnikov, right? Signing a two-year, $4 million deal. Also provides some stability on that whole category. Which is great value on top for, for their top six, yeah. There you go. I, I feel like that's exactly it. I feel like he, he brought good depth to Colorado when they, they acquired him. I thought he was a good value uh, trade chip for the Ottawa Senators because, you know, the Rangers wanted to get rid of him. Um, you know, he, he was... I saw him live uh, play against the Canadians, actually, in Ottawa. I really like the way he saw the ice. It's just, he does the little things right, but he's not necessarily, like, top-end talent-wise. So it's it's a question of, like, playing your role, and I think he's really discovered his role, and I've, he discovered it, in my opinion, in Ottawa. Uh, and he really did well in Colorado, for me, especially just down the stretch in the playoffs and whatnot. So... I think that he can, again, similarly to Bobby Ryan, really kind of support and insulate that middle six for Detroit. That also helps. He's got 30 to 40 points pretty much in every season. I'm looking over here on his list. 
got to help definitely in that particular aspect. So, uh, what do we want to talk about here? I do want to talk about a little bit more about. Well, we uh, can continue on most improved. Most improved. Yeah, let's go most improved. Yeah. You mentioned Colorado. I think that's the next team I want to touch on. Um, so yeah, they they got way better in my opinion. They signed the well, they traded for Brendan Saad, who's great value for the top six. Who's already very solid. He could play top six. He might play third line. Who knows? Uh, they also got Te- Devin Taze from uh, the Islanders, right? Which comes and add that element of that defensive element to that decor, who's already pretty strong with with people like uh, with players like um, uh, well, they have Gerard, they have uh, Makar, they have a bunch there, they have J- uh, Johnson as well. So that's really great value. They also re-signed Burakovsky, Graves, Nichushkin, and Jost. So. I mean, they pretty much kept the same team and added two core pieces. Um, what do you think about it, Marco? I mean, Colorado was a team to watch. Uh, I think the the best moves they made was getting Devin Taze. I think that that really kind of solidified their their defense for me. And it almost makes Ian Cole expendable, in my opinion. Uh, from a Ford perspective, I really like what they did with Saad. Uh, I felt like Burakoski uh, was the... You know, outside of the top line was the only real winger with punch. Um, I know that's, you know, sometimes you'll have JT Comfer on that second line with Nazem Kadri. Uh, sometimes they want to put Donskoy. Uh, but I feel like they've now secured that top six and allowed for a very elite third line uh, that will properly insulate Tyson Jost if, he deci- if they decide to plug him in the middle. And that gives them three pretty solid lines for them to play with while properly kind of pushing everybody right into their to the proper chair, really. So top to bottom, I think it's really good. I think really for Colorado, the question mark is still going to be in net, though. Nonetheless, uh, GM Joe Kasakic earning his name as Trader Joe. Yeah, well, Trader Joe, for sure. Um, <laughs> I feel like we can touch on maybe one more team that just came out looking much better. Uh I mean, we could obviously like pat our own backs, but what's the joy in that? I feel like I've, it's kind of evident that the Montreal Canadiens improved in the offseason, uh, at least on paper. I feel like... I think a big part you know, of that is like people, what they did, who they didn't sign, who they avoided also, right? Yeah, well, that's, that's also the idea, right? Yeah. Like, if you... If the idea was to get better at the forward position today, then it's very understandable why they took the defenseman in the first round... Uh, in Caden Gooley, who actually signed his entry-level contract today. Um, yeah. You know, if, if you're going to go so heavy and give that many years to these bigger forwards, these these forwards in their prime, then there's less of an organizational need long-term for a forward. And so now, you know, it kind of makes sense that top pick, you take your shot at the surefire defenseman, and then the next seven are all forwards. Um, so I... I like what the idea was here. Um, I think obviously getting Josh Anderson, Tyler Toffoli, it's going to bring a more physical element. Uh, it's going to be a team that's going to be harder to push around. But I think, and it, we've been talking about it for teams, uh, especially when they're trying to build a culture. If you look at Detroit, we were talking about Detroit insulating their young players. This is exactly what Montreal is doing right now and in insulating their young players with talent. I feel like one of the most 
I don't know, consistent complaints and a rebuilding uh, environment is properly insulating your youth so that they have quality players to play with in less stressful um, deployment. So playing maybe second line instead of first line to kind of get used to the, you know, the idea of scoring consistently. And Montreal has two key pieces that need to be properly insulated, and that's Nick Suzuki and Kakanyemi. If you look at those two players, they've had more fourth liners as teammates than you know actual top six players in their time in Montreal. That's pretty insane considering that most Canadians fans view them as top six centers. So to give them more than just four options on either wing, realistically, heck, more than three options on either wing, realistically, is pretty smart by this team because now you're putting you know proven elements with your prospects that's going to give them nothing but confidence to build on yeah you touched on it uh like it's going to be pretty interesting to see what the lines come uh, out of training camp are going to be right um you mentioned that they added josh anderson for max domi they added tyler to they added Joel Edmondson and Jake Allen in nets. So you're looking at most positions, they got better. Like they improved their right wings, which lacked. It was pretty much only Brendan Gallagher before. Uh, they added size on, on defense with Joel Edmondson. They they got a, a backup that could win games that could probably and probably play more games than what we had in, in past years, in recent years, and Jake Allen. So yeah. Um, I think it's going to be very interesting to see what, what the lines become in Montreal because now we have so many options up front, especially uh, on the top six and with the two young centers we have. And options is what you want to have because that helps you to build a better franchise, builds you better team morale, and also just you know, makes it more interesting. But I alluded to a comment I made before earlier where I was talking about addition by subtraction or just lack of addition in some ways. So, like, for example, Ilya Kovachuk, I know many Canadians fans were screaming to potentially have him re-signed, and it just, I'm glad Bergevin showed don't go to the same well twice, especially when it's dried up. After that playoff performance at the Capitals, I I, I don't think how, how any reasonable person would look at this and be like, he needs to sign. But, for example, Kevin Shattenkirk, that would have been a name that you could have seen bandied about on forums online, but it didn't end up happening. It said the Ducks picked up his contract. So, uh, and obviously the big name, obviously Hall, but that didn't happen either. So I'm just grateful to Bergeron for thinking about this, such, it, especially with a such a schizophrenic fan base, that it look, especially in the middle of a COVID pandemic that is eagerly chomping at the bit for any kind of action. I'm glad that Bergeron has shown, again, just such wisdom when it comes to this stuff. And I, I know this is crazy for me to be saying it because I know I've criticized the hell out of Bergman for some of his choices in the past, but the last few years, he just made consistently good moves that make our team better. So suck it wings fans. Anyway, let's move along. So, <laughs> uh, I don't know. This is not wings fans. Not your episode this week. Anyway, well, we love you, you know, sort of, uh, so let's go from there. Uh, what should we talk about next boys? Uh, do you want to talk about, <laughs> I mean, we can talk about the confirmation of the World Junior Championships. Oh, yes. As well. Starting on Christmas for the first time since 2005. It's going to be super exciting. Um, although the Canadian game, the first Canadian game will be on the 26th of Boxing Day. So just for all of us, TSN happy. I know Boxing Day is my one of my favorite days of the year. So I don't know about other peeps, but I love Boxing Day. It's fantastic. Uh, not because of shopping, because of hockey specifically. Let me make that clear. I don't give a shit about shopping. Uh, so yeah, uh, sorry, Marco, I interrupted you. World Juniors, tell us more about the WJC. 
So uh, it, uh, AJ stole the punch. It's uh, obviously going to start now on Christmas Day and not Boxing Day. Um, so they've kind of laid out how the bubble formation is going to work in Edmonton uh, and how they're going to have the teams kind of show up to do their quarantine, I believe, a week before. Uh, they have to get four uh, negatives in a row to be able to hit the ice. And then they would be monitored throughout the tournament. So that's it's pretty intense stuff because you're looking at a lot of these players. There's not many that are already in North America, so or at least in Canada. So there would be a lot of, of flying and traveling. And it also brings to the, the idea, like, how would camps like selection camps go about being organized to begin with as well. Like you'd have a pool of 50 kids to choose from and you'd have to trim it down from there. So where would they congregate? How would that work? Would they have to quarantine before they congregate for those camps uh, and then select the kids and then quarantine again and then show up to the tournament? So there's a lot of logistics to, to keep in mind here, but I think what we have confirmation of without a shadow of a doubt now is the NHL has paved the way for tournament based hockey to exist in, you know, this is one of them. Uh, and I think the world juniors are going to be the really like the pet project here, because I feel like if this works out, then there's potential for a world championship in April uh, or actually probably not in April now, but maybe in July. So it, it makes for interesting stuff. I think that this is innovative, uh, and I like that you know junior level hockey, amateur level hockey is the next logical step to take it, uh, you know, to a post COVID style, uh, I guess, tourney. And we could potentially correct me if I'm wrong, Marco, but we could potentially see um, a lot more uh, prospects going into the tournament now that they're not necessarily playing in their junior teams or, or they're not going to, to be in NHL teams, right? When the tournament comes. Yeah. I mean, there's, uh, I believe the Ontario hockey league has pushed it to February, uh, or the WHL, one of the two, um, actually both, sorry, both start in the new year. So yeah, they wouldn't have even started playing hockey. So a lot, especially like Canada, Canada had a very good 2020 draft. So imagine a lot of those players not having played competitive hockey since March. Uh, and you're playing against European kids, like Swedish kids that have been playing in the J20. That never for the stopped last playing, month. yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, they, they, they continued immediately in, in September. So it's, it's going to be wild. There's, there's going to be lots of... I feel like lots of players, especially from North American teams, like just itching to go. Like even in the NCAA, they haven't started yet. It's really just Quebec Major Junior, uh, the Swedish and Finnish leagues, uh, as well as their junior um, counterparts, and the KHL and the VHL MHL. So really Ontario and, and the Western Canada and the NCAA as a whole is just kind of waiting right now. It's unfortunate, but it'll make for a more interesting camp. I think. Isn't the NHL training camp supposed to coincide around that time period? Uh, well, they're not sure when the NHL start date. So most likely hockey Canada knows it ain't <laughs> happening. Like we all know it ain't happening. Well, we don't know. That's it. But there's also, and there's, it's a thing to keep in mind. 
a lot of NHL ready prospects know they're NHL ready and wouldn't want to risk injury weeks before an eventual NHL training camp. Like there's, there's no point in risking that. So already we've had Alexis Lafreniere uh, come forward and say he will not be participating with Canada uh, this year. And it's wise. He's got nothing to prove. It would be his third tournament. Uh, he already won MVP last year and he got injured last year. And there's no way he wants to risk an injury again yeah. this year when he's set to to get himself a spot with the New York Rangers, hopefully in a top six role for him. Like, there's no point in that. But then you have more fringe potential NHL players uh, like, you know, uh, a Bowen Byram for Colorado, who's a fourth overall pick. You know, he, he may crack the lineup. Uh, maybe a Dylan Cousins uh, might not want to go because there's a serious chance that he could potentially get into the lineup for the Buffalo Sabres. So there's opportunity here. I feel like there might not be as, as stacked a team as people think. However, I still think that Canada is set to have a pretty stacked lineup regardless, uh, just because this was such a strong year for them, and they have a lot of returning players from last year. Uh, the other weird sort of story uh, that we had this week was that uh, the news that Doc Emmerich is going to be retiring. Um, so, does any either one of you guys want to take that one? Adam, go for it. I, I just feel sad thinking of Doc Emmerich. Yeah, I mean, same. It's he's. I don't have much to say about him, but he's he's been one of the best commentators we've seen, right? So that's going to be weird not hearing his his voice uh, on on TV and. Even in video games, right? NHL. That's right. Yeah. I know Marco's been playing a lot. Yeah. So. I'm just gonna go I don't know if you want to add on, on top of that. Just to remember his voice. I'm just gonna, yeah, just yeah. to just to listen to his voice and and be like, yo, what the hell is going on here? He's he's no longer here. It's like he's not dead, but like we don't hear him anymore. <laughs> and his last little video is just perfect. It was just a five minute video, just an essay that he wrote highlighting his career and kind of what's important about the sport. And it's honestly, in a nutshell, it's why everybody listens and everybody watches uh, and everybody pays attention and everybody freaks out. Uh, it's, it's everything he mentioned in his essay, just the passion, the values, the stories, the legends, the impacts. Uh, and I think Doc Emmerich was able to encapsulate that. He was able to enunciate that. And he was really able to draw a picture uh, for even the blindest of fans of how special every moment was. Incredible. So congratulations to on a story career. If you want to see some of the other amazing tributes, you can go to Twitter and go specifically and look under the hashtag. Thank you, Doc, uh, where a lot of the different players, organizations, and also the NHL has also offered their Thanks to Doc for his excellent work over the years. All right. So let's go to, I guess, our final part of the show, which, or actually, no, there might be more, but uh, let's talk about the 2021 potential divisions, which uh, I remember sending to you, Adam, and we've both freaked out because we were like, oh my God, there might be a possibility of an all Canadian division. And 12 year old me is very, very excited. So I'll take it, let you take it away, Adam. Tell us what we need to know. Yeah, the all-Canadian division could be very interesting. You would see, well, 
basically just seeing just seeing Montreal play against Edmonton, Calgary, Vancouver teams you don't really see that often that could get real interesting. Uh I'll let Marco add on to to that division a bit after uh, another division like possible division that that piqued my curiosity was the one where you would see Columbus, Detroit, Chicago, St. Louis, Nashville going all the way down to the Florida teams, which is not teams you're, you're used to seeing. So I guess it, it would be very interesting to see because it's not divisions you would usually see. Uh, and also could be, I mean, it, it could benefit some teams. I'm just thinking about Montreal not having to play uh, Tampa Bay as much, not having to play Boston, teams like that. Um it would certainly be very interesting to see. But there's definitely the trade-off of having to go out for a local away game in Vancouver, right? So, I mean, that's good. As, I mean, there's some advantages. There's always disadvantages as well. But Marco, what are you thinking right now? What is the key things that we should take away from this potential? Again, it's kind of important to bring this up. We don't know what's happened as yet because this was uh, Bill Foley was on a call. More than, yeah. Yeah. Well, it was it was a rumor to be like Vegas Golden Knights owner Bill Foley came out on a call and said like, uh, we're we're thinking about this. There's a Canadian edition potentially. And, and then he kind of misspoke and he ran away. But uh, I think it was David Peñota, who was the journalist on this, who <laughs> kind of was like, hey. Yeah, but I mean, it makes sense. And it would make for good hockey, honestly. Like, I feel the competitive Canadian teams are mostly in the Western Conference, right? Like, let's call a spade a spade. Uh, from the most recently, you know, Winnipeg, uh, now Vancouver, Calgary, Edmonton, those are the, you know, those, those teams generally do well or make the playoffs, you know, in the last four to five years, say. And then you throw in Montreal, Ottawa, and Toronto into that mix. And that rivalry between each and every single one of those teams is made instantly the moment the puck drops. I feel like it's, it would make for good TV. It would make for strong regional television numbers, which is attractive to potential sponsors. And really when it comes to the, I'm, I wouldn't be too worried when it comes to the travel, honestly. Uh, Montreal is the most Eastern of the cities, but I feel like uh, a smart kind of, you know, a rotational bubble system might allow for this kind of, you know, maybe what, 20, 18 games? 20 games, there's seven teams, about 20 games amongst themselves. And then kind of, you know, by that point, we'd be in March, April, maybe the border would be open. Then you can kind of have a more nuanced uh, travel system uh, and open up the season to the rest of the teams in the league. So I think it might be smart. I think it shows initiative, uh, but definitely the, the numbers would be there. And like they just to add on top of that, uh, I think as of now they have to to have a bubble system type of thing, just because you're seeing you're seeing in other sports like the NFL just just a bunch of teams closing down their facilities and having COVID uh, surges if you if you would call them. So yeah, it would definitely be interesting, but they they definitely have more work. Uh, to figure out something else like they did in the bubbles in Edmonton and Toronto for the playoffs. 
not to mention we're we're all salivating over the Canadian divisions, but like I I love the idea of a uh, of a a Blackhawks uh, Wings rivalry. That would be pretty sweet. Oh boy! Wow. Well, I mean that that used to happen before they came to our side on the Eastern Conference. Um, obviously now not uh, not a thing, but. Yeah, I feel like it would be fun. Uh, I don't think that uh, teams will necessarily find their old uh, rivalries. I know that Nashville and Columbus used to have a thing as well. Um, But I think what it could also do is reignite old rivalries from yay back. So like now you'll have Boston and Philadelphia in the same division type thing. That might be ridiculous. Like, could you imagine... That happening, I don't know, six times out of 20 games, like that would be, ouch. <laughs> a lot of uh, physical hockey. So I think it could be cool. Uh, I think it's, it, 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 it'll, it's really showing that the NHL is in an adaptive mode right now, which is kind of interesting because they really pioneered this with the NBA, right? Like sports after COVID. So power to them. And... If anything, we owe them the benefit of the doubt. So let's see where this 100%, goes. hundred percent. Yes. So we've, we are a tiny little podcast. I've contracted to the NHL to know. And because obviously it's been pretty great to watch. Although I'm, uh, this is, this is such a logistical challenge and it's going to be really exciting to see just from, even if you're not into hockey, you just want to see how the logistics work on this. It's going to be pretty fascinating to see how a major league manages it and if, if they can match that same standard that they set before earlier anything else before we uh wrap up the show guys anything else that we think we should be uh, bringing to the world needs i just want to see some more signings market is uh clogged at this point so let's see where it goes uh we should be getting more news on the invitational rosters as well for the world junior championships uh so that might be interesting so let's see uh, this is generally the time of the year where things kind of calm down and it's probably for the best. Well, uh, well let's um, throw out a prediction then while waiting. And you can also throw this out to your Twitter uh, peeps if you want. Uh, Liney, where does he end up? In Vanc- uh, Winnipeg. Stassi's wing? Yeah, probably. Yeah. That would make a lot of sense. They had they played together before. That would be, that would be He's the, staying in Winnipeg, the yeah. best I can do for you. I'm... But it's so unpredictable right now. That, that's that's why it's it's best to just let the news come to you at this point. Well, we certainly facilitate that here, right here on the Hockey Flow. Just stand in the river and soak up all the knowledge that Marco and Adam will send your way through this wonderful podcast. You can check out all of our work at the Hockey Flow. That's D A H O C K E Y F L O W on Twitter. Of course, you can follow Marco and Adam on Twitter as well. Really, Adam B. And of course, at the Hockey Expert. And Marco can also be found at ScribbageAndStats.com. I'm AJ Cordero. We'll catch you guys next week.